God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of God. Thanks, Emma. Let's come before that great Lord in prayer before we open up this psalm this morning. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thanks for bringing us here this morning. Thank you that we can come together to worship you, to glorify you, Lord, and to be changed and shaped by your word. Father, I pray that you'll be with me as I seek to unpack this word and look at what it means for us in our lives today, Lord, and I pray that you'll be with all of us. Um, please shape our hearts, Lord. Please transform us by the power of your spirit as we, as we look at what this psalm means for us, Lord. In your name, Amen. What do you do when you feel weak? Where is it that you go, you, where do you go when you get to the end of your strength, when things seem too hard to keep going? Where do you go? This, this psalm we've got today, Psalm 46, has been a song of assurance and encouragement for Christians for thousands of years. It has given great comfort to countless people who recognise that they are weak and who come to God crying out for help. It reminds us of the power and reliability of the God who we serve. One of these many people was Martin Luther, uh, the great reformer. He often turned to this psalm in times of trouble. Luther was a guy who stood up for the truth of the Bible against one of the most powerful organisations in the Western world at the time, a Catholic church which had become deeply corrupt and power-hungry. There were many, many struggles in the years that came after that. And when things seemed completely hopeless, which they often did, Luther was known to go to a close friend of his and he would say, Come, Philip, let us sing the 46th Psalm, this Psalm today. In fact, this Psalm was so powerful, so encouraging, so meaningful to him that he wrote one of the most famous worship songs of all time based on this Psalm. Uh, you might be familiar with it. It's called A Mighty Fortress. The first verse reads, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. The reason that Psalm 46 was so meaningful to Luther is because it reminds us of some incredibly important truths 
It reminds us that God helps us in the midst of all our troubles and difficulties. As verse 1 opens up for us in that psalm, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. But it's one thing to read these words, right? You've probably read them before, you've probably heard about them before, you've probably sung that song before, but it's another thing altogether to go into our lives and know that to be true in our hearts when we are facing incredible trials and difficulties. In the fog of pain or confusion or depression, sometimes we can't always see God and his truth clearly enough to really believe it deep in our hearts. Sometimes in all the difficulties of life, right, we struggle to see how that actually is relevant to us. When, when a loved one gets really sick, maybe. When we lose a job and the bills still keep coming in. When there's difficulty with the kids. My parents are very familiar with that one. When rubber meets the road, it's tough to put these big statements into practice in our lives, right? And then what do we do when we do put things into God's hands, when we do trust in him, when we do rely on him, when we do come before him wholeheartedly, but things still don't work out the way we wanted them to? When that loved one dies? When we can't find another job? When the kids keep on going down those damaging paths? Is that because we just didn't trust in God enough? Are there times when God isn't as much of a strong refuge? Those are, those are real and important questions, and this psalm helps us to make some sense of them. Psalm 46 teaches us about the power of God in, in three main contexts. It tells us of God in the chaos, it tells us of God in his city, and it tells us of God exalted in the earth. Now, before we get into those points, you might be sitting there thinking how glorious and amazing this psalm is. You might be like, wow, that really strikes me right in here. How it speaks to your years of struggle and gives encouragement and such great peace. But then you might look up and be looking at the, the skinny, skinny 21-year-old on the stage who's got like three facial hairs. And you, you might quite reasonably be wondering what this guy thinks he's doing trying to tell you about relying on God. So be assured I'm not here to unpack my own 21 years of wisdom on these themes. I'm here to unpack God's word and what he says to us this morning, to explore the eternal truth of what God's got to say on this. And I've also had the input of of many much wiser Christians, both those who left uh, their wisdom in writing and those who have given it to me in person. So we're going to come to God's word and hear what he's got to say to us this morning. Now, Psalm 46, it begins, right, with some really powerful and inspirational words about God's strength against the most catastrophic events imaginable. And there's powerful language in here, right? Mountains falling into the heart of the sea, tumbling down, roaring and chaos. Now, when we think about the forces of nature we see in the world today, they actually don't really compare to that language at all. Uh, in recent weeks, we've had Hurricane Florence in North Carolina and Typhoon Mankut, I think that's how, how it's pronounced, in Southeast Asia. They've been on the headlines for their power and their devastation and the damage they've caused. But as powerful as they are, 
The closest they've gotten to sending mountains into the sea is mudslides, which they cause. They barely dent the mountains. Now we get huge damage and loss of life. I picked up my phone this morning. I wake up and sit in bed and sit there for a couple of minutes staring at my phone and I saw there's been an earthquake and series of tsunamis in Indonesia. And it's all unfolding at the moment. It's huge damage, huge loss of life. Um, the body count's 400, expected to reach into the thousands. There's a city called Dongala of 300,000 people they haven't had contact from since Friday. Incredible, huge power, devastating. But even that barely dents the mountains. Uh, In 2015, a magnitude 7.9 earthquake struck Nepal. Now that was thought to have made Mount Everest shorter by about one inch in the size of Mount Everest. That's nowhere close to ending up in the heart of the sea. But our psalm speaks about God's power against situations where the mountains are hurled into the depths of the sea. And it describes that level of calamity to help us see and understand how mighty our God is, how totally powerful he is over the worst we can imagine. And that was the worst that the psalmist who wrote this psalm could imagine. Uh, back in the ancient world, you had these, this dichotomy. Mountains were seen as the big, strong, most powerful, unshakable things in creation. And the sea was seen as a force of chaos, something not to be trusted, something evil. We talked about that when we looked at the story of Jonah, right, down at the bottom of the sea. To have the mountains themselves collapsing into the sea represented the worst, most chaotic, calamitous thing imaginable. And so when declaring this psalm, the psalmist and and we today are declaring God's power over the most crazy, chaotic things we could possibly ever imagine. So God is a mighty refuge who is strong against anything we can think of. And we can be totally certain there is nothing, nothing in our lives he can't defend us against. There is no challenge that's so big, so great that it can shake our God. Now, we live in a chaotic world, right? It can seem that every time that we turn the news on, when you pick up your phone in bed in the morning, there's something else that's gone wrong. And then in our own lives, immediately, you know, away from that screen which tells us all the terrible stuff outside, our daily lives are chaotic as well. Often they're just an absolute shambles. It can feel like constantly there's someone else getting sick or relationships are always breaking down or finances are always falling apart. We live lives that are bombarded by chaos and challenges. We live in a world that is broken and we can never find that true lasting peace on our own. So in those moments when things do seem too chaotic, where do you go? I ask myself where I go. Where do we turn for help? Where do we turn to try and find strength? Because God reminds us through his word today that he is with us. If our faith is in Christ, if we've been saved by his work, God remains with us and he is always helping us. And we need to stop and remember where our refuge is, where we should be running to, where where we should be remaining. There's a guy called Augustine. He's one of the greatest preachers and theologians of all time. 
Um, and he, he wrote on this passage, he wrote on this specific verse, he says, There are some refuges where there is no strength, where where anyone flees, he is more weakened than strengthened. You flee, for example, to someone great in the world to make yourself a powerful friend. This seems to you a refuge. Yet so great are this world's uncertainties and so frequent grow the ruins of the powerful day by day that when to such refuge you come, you begin to fear more than ever. Our refuge is not such, but our refuge is strength. When we have fled there, we shall be held firm. God is our help in even the most calamitous events we can imagine. And so, he is also our help in the smallest difficulties of every day. And there is no use looking for a refuge anywhere else. Anywhere else we run to is going to let us down. There is no other strong refuge. It's not God is our strong refuge and this other thing I really like running to is a slightly less refuge for the medium-sized stuff. God is our strong refuge. And he's a refuge against all things. He cares whether they are great or whether they are small. As Jesus explained in Matthew 6, you're probably familiar, he talks about how even the smallest sparrows are cared for and fed by God. You know, those tiny little ones you see flitting around at South Bank, picking up scraps and things that people leave behind. God cares for even the smallest sparrows. How much more does he care for the troubles in the lives of his children? So how does God help us? God helps us constantly, moment by moment, day by day. He gives us strength to face each day. He protects and guides our every step. He doesn't promise that he's just going to solve all of our problems the way that that we want him to. But he does promise that he will be there with us to help us and guide us. And that's what we see in the next couple of verses. We read about the power of God in his city. Uh, Let's let's read out those verses again, verses 4 to 7. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God is her help at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Our God is a mighty fortress. And he doesn't just keep us safe, he nourishes and he guards his city. Now this is not talking about a physical city of bricks and mortar. He's not saying, you know, go to Brisbane, you'll be safe in Brisbane, that's all good, be in the CBD. No, it's referring to God's presence among his people. There's a commentator by the name of James Mays. Um, He's not the James May from Top Year, different guy, sorry. Um, I don't know if the Top Year guy would have a great quote on Psalms. He he phrases it this way. He says, This song does not invite trust in a place, but rather in a presence who dwells with his people. We are a part of that city of God. If you've put your faith in the work of Christ, you have the presence of God 
with you. We have the presence of God with us. Isn't that amazing? What an awesome, that, that refrain there, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And it's more than just a city that's made up of God's people. It's a city nourished by God's presence. Because in these verses we see the raging sea replaced by a different type of water. We see rivers which sustain the city of God. Now this is a really important picture, right? Um, water is, and, and flowing rivers are used with really strong imagery all the way through the Bible. Um, through the Old Testament, Genesis, right? You've got uh, God has these rivers flowing out of Eden, his special garden. All the way through the Old Testament, uh, this symbolism of rivers is, des- uh, is described to show God's blessing and God's presence, especially describing where God's spirit is upon his people. And then we see in the New Testament that this, is, this theme is brought to fulfilment with Jesus. When Jesus gives out the Holy Spirit to his disciples, he says, in John 7, Jesus says, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And just in case there's any doubt about why Jesus said this, uh, John even includes a note in the next thing to make sure that it's clear that this is what Jesus is talking about. He says, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up till that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So what does that look like in our lives, in our day-to-day? Because often that doesn't work out the way we imagined. Christians are not given a life of material wealth and blessing just for following Jesus. In fact, living out Jesus' teaching often makes our lives harder. To be in the city of God doesn't mean that there are no challenges. It means that our God is far greater than those challenges and that through them, he guides us and he grows us, he protects our hearts. And so we can face the trials of life knowing that we don't have to defeat them in our own power. I'm reminded of the words of Philippians chapter 4, which reads, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, bring your, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Um, while I was preparing for this in the last couple of weeks, I had a chat to Case about this passage. Um, and he, he shared with me a, a story, a time in his life, which really put this into practice, which he's allowed me to share with you today. Um, as you may know, Nell, Case's wife of 62 years, passed away last year after a long, years-long battle with dementia. Years which were hugely challenging. I, can, I can't imagine how hard it would be to watch the love of your life slowly fade away before you. But when I speak to Case about that, I don't see bitterness or anger towards God. There's sadness, 
but a calm assurance that Nell is at peace and that he's still here for a purpose. Why is that? Because God, God is a strong refuge and strength. Not out of Case's own strength, but out of God's. Case shared with me how he prayed that God would take both he and Nell home, but God didn't answer yes. He only took Nell home. Because, as Case will tell you, he's still got work to do here. And when I speak to him, I see that he is guarded by God. He's in a mighty fortress. I see the words of this psalm in action far more powerfully than I've seen them through the challenges I've been through so far. Not because Case is a great man, sorry if I'm embarrassing you, Case, but because our God is a mighty, mighty God. And that's of huge encouragement to me because I look at that and I go, man, this week's been rough. It's been so tough. And that doesn't even compare to what I've seen in other people's lives. But I know that no matter what comes, no matter how hard it gets, I know that my God is a mighty fortress. And I don't have to try and get through whatever's going to come in my life and in my own strength because my God is far greater than anything that a sinful world can throw at me. So, are you in the city of God? Are you living in reliance on him? Or are you trying to deal with the chaos of this world by yourself? None of us are perfect, right? None of us will be perfect until Christ returns. So the question is not, are you living perfectly? It's not, are you always trusting in God fully? Are you a perfect Christian? That's not the question. The question is, are we earnestly seeking to follow Christ in our lives? Are we day by day returning to him, asking him for forgiveness, seeking his guidance, asking for him to be our strong refuge? Because God is our strong refuge and ever-present help in the midst of the chaos of life and he will always be with us. But it gets better. And that's, that's the last thing we see in the verses of this psalm, that God is our refuge and strength who will return to bring an end to the chaos of this life. Let's have another look at the last couple of verses there again, 8 to 11. It reads, Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought upon the earth. He makes the wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shield with fire. He says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This last section, it's looking forward in time to when God will bring all wars to an end, all chaos to an end. It gives a confident assurance that not only is the Lord a solid fortress in this chaotic world, but that he will bring an end to the chaos. This description of the final return of Jesus focuses on a different element to the one we often think about, right? Because this focuses on the return of Jesus itself, the immediate end to war, the immediate peace 
And these verses fill me with an overwhelming sense of awe. Because they tell of the mighty and righteous power of God. He doesn't just magically stop the fighting. He destroys the weapons of war. He doesn't come to wage a war to end all wars. God's authority is ultimate and his peace is immediate. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. Now, I remember a common theme from my childhood. I grew up, I'm the oldest of six kids, um, and we spent a lot of time at home, a lot of time hanging out, and a lot of time fighting, right? <laughs> sometimes uh, we get into these, into these pretty chaotic fights, and when I say sometimes, I mean like every single day is good times. Um, you know, sometimes someone takes someone else's spot on the couch. Um, so I've got four sisters. Sometimes someone used someone else's hairband, Shock and horror. I can't tell the difference between any of them, but that's cool. Uh, sometimes you just flick them because you feel like they're annoying. The biggest ones, right, were over board games. Loved board games. Um, you know, you have a monopoly out or something. Uh, I'd be winning because I'd always win. Uh, my little sister down, Abby, would be really annoyed that I was winning because she never got to win. Uh, the next four down would be really sick of playing the game, so they'd be getting a bit... Uh, chaotic, getting a bit fidgety, and then bam, suddenly something happens, there's chaos, the Monopoly board's everywhere, everyone's fighting and yelling and screaming, and then suddenly mum or dad comes storming from the end of the house, right, their bedroom's up the other end of the house, and one yell will stop everyone in their tracks, you hear, quiet, and there is silence, and if you're really messed up, there's something much worse, you'll hear, what do you have to say for yourselves? Now, pro tip, don't know about your family. Adam said, I was talking during the week, that it's different in his family. In my family, you do not respond to that. It's a rhetorical question. If you respond, there is death. You do not respond. You stay completely silent. You do not talk. If you do, you'll get the even worse, I am the parent in this house, and then you're in big trouble. Dad's voice. Oh, there's, there's God's voice in the thunder. Wow. <laughs> am, I, am I supposed to be quiet now? Uh, have I talked for too long? <laughs> Dad, Dad's voice, or sometimes Mum's voice, would completely override our squabbling, right? You hear it, everything stops. Everything's dead quiet. And you get a really similar feeling from the ending of this psalm. We have the first and only direct quote from God in this psalm. Otherwise, it's the psalmist glorifying God. Here we hear from God, his voice. And there's this sudden change of tone. Suddenly, there's silence. Except that as a kid, the fights eventually start again. Here, God speaks and no response can be made. And here, God is not simply an angry parent. He is the righteous, mighty creator of the universe, bringing the chaos of a sinful world to peace as easily as he created that world. All through the psalm, you've got this impression of chaos and tumult and war and fighting of a world in messy shambles where the only safe place to be is in this mighty fortress, which is God's city. And you've got this final bit where God unleashes desolation on the earth and then God rocks up. He destroys the weapons of war. There's this intense language. He breaks, he shatters, he burns, and then God speaks. He says... Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will 
be exalted in the earth. We now see God is more than just a strong refuge. He's not stuck on the defensive like, stay here, I'll keep the enemies away. Not just, he has complete power over them. It's a powerful and weighty statement. Uh, Be still. Echoed through so many songs, so many hymns of praise. Suddenly quiet before God. And that refrain we've got twice in the psalm has a different tone. We read, the Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And this command of God is probably, probably familiar to you for another reason. If you're good in all your classic kids stories from the Bible. Because this is the command which Jesus echoes uh, when he commands the wind and the waves to be still. Recorded in Mark 4 and Luke 8. You probably know that story, right? Jesus and the disciples, they're out on the boat in the middle of this huge lake and a storm whips up, mighty, mighty storm. And the, and the disciples, experienced fishermen who have been on the lake many times, they fear for their lives. And they wake up Jesus and they say, Lord, do you not care if we die? And he gets up and he just says, be still. And the wind and the waves cease. There's calm. There's peace. The disciples are amazed because they know this psalm. They would have grown up hearing it sung many, many times. To say be still is a loaded statement and to see creation listen to that makes clear who Jesus is. Jesus is God himself, God the Son, who became man so that he could cover the, the penalty of our sins, so that he could take the full power of the chaos upon himself so that we could be right with God. Our God is mighty. He is full of power. He is full of righteousness. And he is also the God of love who cares for each one of us individually far more than we will ever be able to even comprehend. He sacrificed his son so that you and I could be made right with him so that we could be in that mighty fortress. So if you haven't yet accepted that gift of forgiveness, if you're not in the city of God, my challenge for you this morning is, why? If you think about that and you think, cool, kind of want to know some more about it, um, talk to someone. We're, we're in a room full of Christians here. Talk to a friend. Uh, have a chat to an elder or a member of staff or someone because it's the most important decision you can ever make. You won't be able to get through storms of a sinful, broken world without God. God alone is our mighty refuge. A mighty refuge who will bring peace to the chaos of this world. When Jesus came to earth, the kingdom of God was initiated. He said, be still to the wind and the waves. He started his church on earth. He established his city on earth. And that's a now and not yet kingdom. That's a kingdom which is growing and will be brought to sudden fulfilment when he returns. And we see in this psalm and all through scripture, when he does, there will be a time of silence, a time where the world will be in awe of the power of our God. And that's a time that we, as Christians, can look forward to with longing. We don't know the day or the hour when that will happen. But we do know that our God is more than an impenetrable fortress against the storms of this life. He has supreme power over those storms. And at the time he has chosen, 
He will end the chaos of this world as easily as he made it. So are you looking forward to that end? Or are you dreading that end? Life can feel like a storm that's constantly raging around us, right? But in the city of God we have peace and security and assurance. Our God is far mightier than anything that this life can bring. And he will bring all those storms of this life to complete silence. That's something worth looking forward to. And we can be freely received into this city of God without our own merit, without our own work, by the grace of God because of what Christ has done for us. Because 2,000 years ago, the chaos of our sin and our rebellion was nailed to the cross with Christ. He took our pain. He took our burden. He took that chaos so that we can have peace in God forever. In Him, we have peace and joy and the assurance that someday He will return And when he does, all the chaos of the world will fall silent in awe of the glory of our risen King. Amen. Let's pray. Let's come before our God. Father God, we want to thank you for your word. We want to ask that you'll continue to apply this to our hearts, Lord. Please change us. Please shape us. Please grow us by the power of your Spirit. Lord, please create in us fresh hearts. Please create in us a peace built out of an awe of your mighty power. Please grow us and work in our hearts for the days and weeks ahead. And Father, please, you, please use us to reach others with the news of your glorious gospel. In your name, Amen. Church, let's stand together and respond in song.